So Money episode 1084, how to improve your video skills in a pandemic with video content producer, Christian Golick. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Now more than ever, video is for everyone. Now, whether that's just hopping on a Zoom call and like being able to navigate that space without like worrying about it, because that's how we're doing all our meetings. Or if you're a business and you want to communicate more with your customer base, video is the next best thing to being in person. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Many of us are consuming video these days, and a good bit of us are thinking about moving over to video, either to start a YouTube channel, start a course, or just expand our personal brands. And if you're having a tough time on Zoom, this episode's for you as well. My guest today is Christian Golick. He's a professional video content producer that teaches entrepreneurs how to incorporate video into their business and everyday life. He and I first connected last fall when I was thinking about starting my YouTube channel. I needed to know what kind of equipment to buy and how to get it all set up. Christian came to my rescue and he still does. Christian believes video is still an underused tool that can help businesses thrive, especially now. He started his career in TV commercial advertising and later started his own business as a wedding videographer. But now in a pandemic, like many entrepreneurs, he is pivoting. Weddings just aren't happening anymore. So he's shifted his business to serve the entrepreneurial market, supporting projects that include online course creation for clients and consulting for those who want to learn how to incorporate video into their business. Christian and I talk about how to get into video on the cheap. If you only have a couple hundred bucks, what equipment can you skip and what should you definitely buy? Advice for anyone listening on how to improve their video skills, whether it's for conference calls or starting that YouTube channel. And we go under the hood and look at Christian's own finances, how he saves his money, how he runs his business and his recent home purchase. Here's Christian Golick. Christian Golick, welcome to So Money. Thank you so much for having me, Farnoosh. This is a different medium for the two of us. You and I typically work on video together, but here we are podcasting. How is everything going for you as a video production company? Uh, Prior to the pandemic, you were mostly uh, doing weddings and helping people like me, entrepreneurs, out with their video projects. Everybody, Christian helped me set up my camera and get me really like confident with the YouTubing, which by the way, we're about to hit a thousand subscribers. I've done nothing in the last couple of months. So part of me is like, once I get to a thousand, I have to really kick things up into ge- high gear. But more on that in a moment. Um, but tell me how your business has been doing since I know so much of it was wedding filming. Is that picking up now that things are a little bit more, I don't know, things are opening up a little bit more around the country? Right. Yeah. I mean, weddings are certainly starting to open up. But in terms of like the business aspect, it definitely took a sharp downturn. Yes. In 2019, I had... I was I was mainly weddings and then did some entrepreneurial video work like I did for you. And then going into 2020, 
in the beginning before the pandemic hit, weddings was going strong. Uh, I was doing some bookings and not, not many people get married in the winter. So the winter is the definitely the time where I'm talking with people. I'm not particularly going out too much. But then once the pandemic hit, it was just mad chaos of people emailing me and calling me and saying like, we don't know what we're going to do for our wedding. What happens if it cancels? Can we move it? Like, And and everything kind of just went to a screeching halt, as I would mm-hmm. imagine most industries. Uh, as a result, a lot of people move their weddings. A few people have kept their weddings. I did one actually this past Friday. I did one a few weeks ago. And how does that work? I, I, I would imagine they're very small are people wearing masks? Like, how does it... Did you feel safe? I'm definitely more on the precautious side. I kept my extra distance. <laughs> um, I was more than six feet apart from people for the most part. It's very difficult because there are some, I guess, loopholes with weddings. Uh, if you get married in the church, you can have as many people as you want in the church. But then the reception has to be outside if you want more than 25 people in Pennsylvania. If you want more than 25 people, then it has to be outside. Some people are doing backyard weddings as opposed to getting married at a venue. So it definitely depends. And that's ultimately where I found that there are like two types of couples. The one type of, we want to do this right, so we're just going to put it off till next year. And then there are the other couples who say, we're getting married regardless. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to have you on the show, not just because we wanted to do like a deep dive into weddings, uh, although it is interesting to get a behind the scenes take of like what's happening in, on that front. But your your craft is is video, which I think a lot of people listening, whether you run a business, you work for a company, you have a brand. I think video, nothing new, but increasingly becoming the thing that people are are interested in, are pivoting to, to get their message out, their word out. Um, YouTube is exploding like never before. And now Instagram is getting into like, they're trying to get on YouTube's territory. And Mm. I'm obviously trying to do this. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that and like your advice for entrepreneurs and everyday people on how to utilize video more and more constructively in their lives. But also you as an entrepreneur, you know, you telling me that people are calling you and all these frantic wedding planners and saying, you know, can we move the date? And they're worried about them. But you must have also in the back of your mind been like, what's happening to my business? And <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, how you pivoted and how you're changing and evolving and keeping on your toes in this time, I think is also worth uh, learning about. And I just think you're cool. I, I, you know, I've spent a little bit of time with you. I want to learn a bit more about how you think about money. You recently bought a home. You're you're a single guy. You seem to be like really smart with money. So I thought that's also uh, worth bringing to the forefront. So let's go back and and talk a little bit about video and people who are listening who are like, I'm into video. I like watching videos. Should I get into video? Who, who's video good for? And and really these days, it's pretty simple to start, right? Oh, absolutely. I think even now more than ever, video is for everyone. Now, whether that's just hopping on a Zoom call and like being able to navigate that space without like worrying about it, because that's how we're doing all our meetings. Or if you're a business and you want to communicate more with your customer base, video is the next best thing to being in person. And if we can't be in person, video is the way to go. What are the benefits of video? I mean, obviously, I can see where if you are a person who is is in the presenting field, like you 
you know, are a speaker or you're an influencer. I get that. But talk a little bit about the benefits of video for people who may not even realize this is an area that I can get into. What are the opportunities and how have you been helping clients work through those opportunities in the in the last few months? Yeah, I definitely think for for people who aren't necessarily talking to a broad audience about what they do or their business or their product. For the people who are just using and implementing video in their everyday life, where as before, they didn't particularly have to. A lot of the work that I've been doing is, is online consulting and teaching as to how to make your Zoom calls not look ah, bad. Yes. Um, like and it's it's simple things it's not you don't have to get a big video setup you don't have to buy all this fancy equipment like you can make do with what you have and i'm a very big supporter of this you have a very very powerful camera in your pocket like your phones are so so capable of getting great video you can easily do some tricks around your office to make the lighting better you know positioning yourself by a window getting close to the camera so the microphone can pick you up it's little things like that that in the long run for the people who are just doing zoom calls are going to be able to communicate a lot easier with who they're talking to because they're not fighting the technical difficulties. They're not fighting the, oh, what? I can't, uh, I can't hear you. What did you say? The internet connection going in and out, really teaching people how to maximize uh, what they already have to communicate the best they can. Mm-hmm. Because video can otherwise be a real handicap for people. And it's not fair. It's not fair if you're like an otherwise really dynamic person in person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. then now you're forced to do all of your work via Zoom or Google, whatever, Google video. And it is proving to be a hindrance. But it doesn't have to be. I mean, at this point, I think, look, we're how many months in? If you don't yeah. know how to use... Zoom yet. And I still see it though. I still see people on conference calls with the backlit, the backlighting, sitting in front of a window. Yes. Um, yes. You know, I can only see like half their forehead. I recently purchased a very inexpensive ring light. I know you're not a big fan of ring lights because you think they're like super, you know. They have their purpose. They have their purpose. They're very glam. You can set it up right in front of your laptop, like on a stack of books, and it's an immediate nice flash of light. So mm-hmm. you go from looking tired to maybe you've had two cups of coffee. <laughs> exactly. Right. And little things like that, that really make a long-term difference in your video calling. Talk to me about YouTube. Uh, I know that you are firstly experienced in helping people create beautiful videos. YouTube is not really the place that requires beautiful videos though, right? Mm -hmm. It's really about the content, uh, the continuity, the consistency, the shareability. So tell us a little bit about what you've seen be successful on YouTube or people who are trying it for the first time. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, so you can tell that to your friend of consistency is key. And when it comes to the content, you don't have to create these beautiful grand masterpiece videos. You can easily sit down once a week and talk about what exciting happened during the week? What was unusual? What did you do in your business this week that was different than every other week? What kind of client uh, came in and and asked you for this crazy request and you really had to think about how you would do it? And it's storytelling. 
and everyone has a story and you can easily record that once a week or more if you are daring and post it to YouTube doesn't have to be fancy and you will get a fan base and get a subscriber base if they resonate with you and really chances are uh, you will find people that resonate with you. Even if you think you're the most boring person, you have nothing nothing of value to say, I will personally call you up and say you're wrong. People care about what you have to say. Yeah. And let's remember, this is what I struggle with a little bit, is that YouTube is the second largest search engine next to Google. Mm-hmm. Google owns YouTube. So uh-huh. go figure. Don't overthink it. If your mission is to build a loyal following and to get those high subscriber numbers and high download, you know, I guess, what are they, streaming numbers, play numbers? um, Um, Play minutes, I think. Play minutes. It's really about giving people what they want, which I'm really bad at on YouTube. I'm good at that on the podcast. You know, I listen and I deliver. I think with YouTube, I'm trying to be a little bit more out of the box because it is such a crowded marketplace. I don't want to feel like I'm just repeating what's out there. Like if I, sure, everybody's sure. Look, like when stimulus checks were coming out, everybody's searching stimulus checks. Like literally just have stimulus check in your video title and you're going to get, you know, 10,000 views. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like that's a, that's a cheat. You know, I didn't want to like cheat my way to it, but uh, I guess I, I just have to get better at cheating. I don't know. I, well, I would I would argue to say it's not necessarily cheating. It's it's a hot topic for sure. Yeah. Um, but the advice that Farnoosh Tarabi can give on YouTube versus Bob, the finance guy <laughs> is going to be <laughs> in his old- mother's basement. So yeah. many of these people <laughs> like it's again, backlit. They're wearing, they're, they have crumbs on their clothes. They're uh-huh. like, you know, so I'm a little bit ahead, I guess, from that end. Like I have some pretty good lighting and I like to but, laundry my clothes. But he, that, that's right. But more importantly, and I will say this, even though I'm a video guy, more importantly, from the video quality, you have the expertise, you have the knowledge, and most, most importantly, you have the personality. And that's what people are there for to learn and to trust you and to bond with you through the way you're delivering your information. Well, that's very nice of you to say. I will say to everyone listening as well, something that I've learned is that it's a pretty slow burn in the beginning and perhaps for even a while that you know, you're know you not going to get the millions of clicks right away, um, that it's the sort of thing where after doing it for a while, maybe one video will go viral perhaps. And then that's going to help everybody who saw that to come and maybe watch all the, uh, the archived stuff, but it's, but then from there, you know, it'll grow and, and having those, those blips on the radar, I think will be helpful for long-term growth. It's a long game. You know, when I look at people who are doing really well on YouTube, they are like two years in, you know, one year, two years, three years in. Yeah. It's not overnight like anything, but I think, we hear about those outlier stories, right? Like people getting discovered on YouTube, but then you're like, yeah, but the, the discovery took quite a few years. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like the classic, oh, well, you did this service in one hour. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, no, it took 10 years of building the experience to do it in one hour. But it's it's the same thing. What do we need to get started? Let's talk tech a little okay. bit. Okay? okay. So let's say you're on a small budget. You only have a few hundred bucks. Can you just film with your iPhone or your smartphone? And Absolutely. Okay. 
Good. Yeah, absolutely. If you only have 100, 100, 200 bucks, I would say use your iPhone. You can buy a little clamp for your phone and then attach that to a, a little tripod. That will cost about $30. I would say go for a little clip-on microphone with a long wire uh, that will run to your iPhone so you can get that high-quality audio as opposed to just relying on the on the camera microphone on the phone. Right there, you're spending maybe $150. And then if you have a little extra money in the in the budget, you know, go for that ring light. Go for that little LED light that you can, you know, put up in front of you. If you don't have $25 on Amazon. $25. No, I'll put the link up in the show notes. Yeah. That's, maybe that's it's a not a good deal. Maybe it's not Christian approved, but it's it's what a lot of people are using. So I just well, bought that because that's what everyone's used to seeing. Well, unless you're a professional videographer, Farnoosh, I don't think it's, I don't think uh, you I'm should not be shooting picky. a wedding. <laughs> um, um, if you don't have that little extra money for the light, just go by window. Position yourself so the window mm-hmm. light is hitting your face yeah. and you're golden. Speaking of weddings, how did you pivot your business in, I know things are picking up a little bit, but I'm sure between like, you know, February till recently, it has required you to re-examine the business and what's been, there's been good news. Like you've been pretty busy. So where's the, where's the pivot happening? The pivot. So funny enough, this transition happened or, or was in the process of happening before the pandemic hit. I was doing weddings. I wanted to get more into helping entrepreneurs create videos and it was a of course a slow transition and then when covid hit and everything shut down and all the weddings just vanished out of thin air i sat down and said okay this is not a gradual transition anymore we are making a hard pivot right now because weddings aren't happening for the foreseeable future businesses are trying so hard to get their message out there and they can't because they're they can't be in person so they are they are desperate to get their message out i know that my skill set can really help them get their message out through video so i just halted the weddings and put all of that effort into uh, reaching out to my network of entrepreneurs talking about what they need it and what they were looking to do and then giving them solutions and how how I can help them. And do you think that um, this time next year, you're going to be busy with the weddings and keep up this other arm of the business? How is it going to balance out in the future? Of course, the future is unknown, but I would like to say right now that the weddings will be taking a permanent backseat to my business. I really am enjoying mm. this this new business model. Yeah, of course, the pivot was the pivot was thought about in advance, and then I was forced to pivot because of the pandemic. Uh, but I'm very happy in the direction I'm going now, and it's much more much more rewarding inside. Mm-hmm. How would you characterize your financial skills? You know, you're good at running a business, pivoting, thinking on your feet, shooting. You have a lot of skills. I know you recently bought a home too. How would you rank your financial acumen? Sure. Um, I am no pro. I am no expert. But I would like to think that because of my conservative finance plan, like I, I plot everything out on a Google sheet. I, I, you know, make sure I take out percentages for taxes, for this, for that. And I really make sure that like every box that I can check of things to like plan for, I plan for that. And then at the very end, I have my spending money. So in times of huh, a pandemic, when 
all of my revenue just kind of got swept underneath the rug or swept beneath my feet. Rather, I had a healthy savings that actually got me through waiting for uh, government assistance since I applied for a few programs as a self-contractor, as my own business. Yeah, I'm a very big big fan of savings. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do investing as well. Uh, I have my Roth IRA. I have my brokerage account, which... Well, the Roth I always fund. I continually fund that no matter what. Uh, the brokerage account, I have a little more flexibility with, uh, which I stopped contributing to when I was in savings mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I would say always, always prepare for the worst. Yeah. Did you learn this as a kid? Were you raised financially, fiscally conservatively? Or um, did you kind of learn this through the inherent challenges of being self-employed entrepreneur, which is like you have to be extra, extra, extra cautious with your money? I would definitely say the latter of just learning, learning the ropes through owning my own business and realizing I might not make any money next month. Just because it's good this month doesn't mean it'll be good next month. In your field, what is like the cushy job? Like you have to just work for yourself, right? In some ways. I mean, your skill set, I guess you could be a camera guy for a network. Those jobs were pretty sweet. I'll tell you, I had a camera guy when I was at a network anchoring for um, a few months and he was like a war veteran. I mean, like a a cameraman who went to to war. Oh, wow. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, it was amazing the experience he had, I mean, the stories he would share just about like all the different news he's covered over the last 30 years being sent overseas and the overtime he made, he, you know, the networks back in the day, like when there weren't, there were only maybe like 10 channels, right? Mm -hmm. It was like they were pretty rich and could afford. Now the producers are the cameramen, are the editors, mm-hmm. are the sometimes the people in front of the camera. So the days of, you know, those jobs maybe are, are, are going away. But do you ever dream of like working somewhere like when, t- when times are tough and you're like, oh, I just want a consistent paycheck. Like what's the other side look like for you? Oh, see, now this is interesting. I, funny enough, I actually feel the safest when I'm on my own and not working for a company. Um, and I do, I do have a little... Uh, I don't actually have PTSD. But when I first was out of college, I worked for a company and I felt very unstable. Like my job felt very unstable. And I couldn't wait to be on my own and start my own business because that I can can control to a degree. Or or at least I can control much more than having a job with a paycheck and 401k and all that, which I think is the opposite of a lot of people's thinking. Yes. Um, Wow. So you even knew that before you had to experience like I did a layoff to realize, oh, you know, what, corporate America is not the safest, most predictable way to go. No, it, 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 it really, it really is not in my opinion. That's definitely specific to my industry from where I'm coming from, but I know it can be true in other industries as well. What was childhood like for you from a financial perspective? What's a money memory from growing up? Some guests have talked about you know, a lesson that their parents gave or their first job or an allowance, you know, anything that just sort of sticks out. One memory, one money memory that I had, I never got allowance, never did allowance. My parents gave me chores and there was no payout at the end, uh, the way it was set up, except for one time where I told my parents, uh, I think I might have been 12. I want it 
an RC plane for $150. And I told him I wanted this so bad and I wanted to work for it, but I was 12 years old. So I can't work anywhere other than for my parents. I said, I want to do this list of chores. You know, I'll work for $20 a day. How does that sound? (laughs) And they go, okay. And yeah. I worked <laughs> I worked in did chores up to up to that hundred fifty dollars. And were there any chores that you were writing and you were like, do I really want to put this down? <laughs> like are you did you give yourself easy chores, like things you knew you could just do on the like how many hours a day was this? I mean, when I was twelve it felt like all day, but <laughs> I probably like couple two, hours. Two hours. Yeah. 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 And it, it wasn't anything bad. Empty the dishwasher, take out the recycling. See now I hear this story and I immediately understand how it was that you grew up to be an entrepreneur. Because what that basically models is you identifying what you want and figuring out a way to achieve it on your own, not waiting for like your parents to say, okay, here's the, here's the chore, here's the task, here's the money. You can not only come up with the task, but you came up with the cost, what you thought your time was worth and what your effort was worth. That's actually something now that we're talking about only now to parents that, you know, rather than just giving your kids a meaningless, you know, $5 a week, whatever, you know, for doing the dishes, whatever the chores are, have your kid come up with a project around the house that maybe he or she's identified like, hey, we could really clean up the basement, you know, or mom, your office is a mess. Let me help you. And then saying, okay, great, great project. What do you want to make for it? And then negotiating that it's like, the little things, you yeah, know? I love that. What, what kid does that on the norm? Uh, well, the kids that grow up to probably be self-employed. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, which which is interesting. I never actually thought of it that way. Well, and, see? Yeah, I never, I also never came from, my family is not the self-employed entrepreneurial type. Mm-hmm. They are the, you get a job, you get benefits, secure <laughs> that job, don't do anything to get fired, like... Yep. Same here. You know, I think I had that my at one point um, in my early 20s, I was at a crossroads. Like, what do I stay at this job where if I continue this road, I'm going to become like, let me a little bit more money, get better benefits or go abroad. And I was going to be a freelance journalist. And my father was like, hold up, you're going to get dental at your job. And then you're going to give that up to go maybe like make a few hundred dollars a week overseas, the risk your life. And I was oh like, my goodness. It's like, yeah, it, it, cause that's what careers are made of, you know, that's what, you know, life's about. But then I ended up staying at the job with the dental, but not staying there for long. I left right, right. and finally found my way. Totally. I grew up, you know, it's the irony with immigrant parents. I always say they risked everything to come here and then they took no more chances. You know, mm-hmm. that that everything had to be on the straight and narrow once they got here. But they risked so much, you know, talk about fearless and risk tolerant, leaving their country, coming to a place they didn't speak the language, they didn't know anybody. And now it was like, just put up and shut up, you know, yeah, <laughs> don't, right, don't, don't bend the rules. That's you don't want to get kicked courageous. out. Right. Maybe that was the thinking. I don't know. Yeah. No, I don't know. You recently bought a house, Christian. When we I were did. we we had a chance to actually meet in person pre-pandemic last fall. You came over to my place and we were setting up my camera and mentioned that you bought a house. Tell mm-hmm. me all about that. Because that this was the first home purchase for you. Yes. Yes. First time homeowner, uh, which is very 
exciting. I was renting an apartment and my business, this is when I was, I was somewhat recently uh, self-employed and I was doing really well, mainly in the wedding industry. I was doing really well and uh, I liked my apartment, but I was like, you know, maybe, maybe now's the time to check out houses because I have the money to, you know, put a decent down payment on and then my mortgage would be decently lower than my rent cost. So I started looking and didn't really find anything. And then my lease was up. So I actually decided to move in with my sister and her husband for an indefinite amount of time until the right house popped up. And it was discouraging because you never know what house is going to pop up. Some popped up and I check them out with my realtor and eh. And then one day, actually, actually, it's kind of funny. I was checking out a house with my realtor. I walk in the door and he just looks at me and says, Hey, do you want to check out another house today? And I said, sure. You know, what, what's up? It just went on the market an hour ago. It's a really good deal and it looks really nice. And I was like, uh, okay, checked it out, put an offer in that night. Wow. Wait a minute though. You live with your sister and her husband indefinitely. How did that... <laughs> How did that conversation initially go? Like, can I just move in indefinitely? Yeah, um, That's a nice sister and, and brother-in-law. Very, very, yes. <laughs> I'm very, very appreciative of them. Yeah, it was it was interesting. In my apartment, I lived about an hour away from my sister. And, you know, one time I was visiting and she said, you know, what are you going to do? Like, once your lease is up, I know you're looking for houses. Are you going to buy one or are you going to re- renew? And I said, I don't know. Um, I don't really want to renew my lease, but... I also don't want to rush into buying a house. And she was like, huh. And, you know, we have a pretty good relationship. So I said, I said, look, you and uh, her husband's name is Nathan. You and Nathan have this big house. Uh, I know you're looking to expand the family, but you're not there yet. So here I am. Yeah, right. Do you mind if I move in for I'm family? (laughs) Right, right. We technically would be expanding. (laughs) Exactly. Not the not the expanding they were thinking of, which they have since done. Um, Oh, great. (laughs) And you're closer now, right? Are you near or are you? Did you go back? Yeah, great. So yeah, yeah. Funny enough, a uh, house popped up in the same same town that they live in. So, What was on your checklist? How did this realtor know it was the right place for you? The realtor knew that it was close to my family, which wasn't a hard requirement, but it's not a bad thing. The realtor knew the area and he knew that eventually I would want to rent out my house when I'm ready to move on. And the the neighborhood that I'm in, uh, Nazareth, it is known for like having a really great school district. And parents are dying to rent houses in Nazareth so that their kids can go to the school. So the price was right. The area was right. I knew that whenever I wanted to move out of this house and move somewhere else, I can rent this house out for a good profit. So it checked off a affordability standpoint. It checked off the long-term investment standpoint and convenience. And hopefully you're going to refinance because this was a year ago. By now, maybe you could get another percentage drop. Possibly. I, I I would say I got a decent percentage, but I'll have to do some research. What was your number one money mistake? I have not asked guests this in a while, but now that we're on the topic of winning, let's reverse it to losing. What's something that you did that may have not been your proudest money moment. <laughs> I, I have one that's somewhat recent. Last year, I as as a you know videographer, I of course am drawn to these beautiful, stunning videos, 
and I was I was watching some videos on YouTube and I saw this incredible video where there was someone swimming in the ocean and the camera was in the ocean. And I was like, wow, that looks amazing. <laughs> I think I know where this is going. And and so I was like, OK, well, I need like a waterproof housing for my camera so that I can take my camera in the water. So I found this really nice housing. I think I think I spent like seven, eight hundred dollars on it. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to I'm going to film all this cool this this cool ocean footage and it's going to be great. And, you know, I'm going to pitch it to clients and I'm going to do all these cool projects because no one else is doing this. I don't live near an ocean. <laughs> I don't I barely live near a lake. I have but if one, anyone's having a destination wedding and they want to shoot some cute video underwater, it'll pay itself off then, right? That's true. I have yet to make that happen. <laughs> and I took it in the water. Therefore, I can't return it. So I'm now sitting with a $800 yeah. plastic housing that <laughs> it has made zero return on investment. You know... Uh, but it was a good lesson. People have pools in Nazareth, right? Maybe you can go do some cool aquatic photo filming. I don't know. I'm, that's I'm, true. I, that's I'll true. I'll keep thinking for you. I'll keep thinking. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Maybe one of these days I'll get a return on my investment. Well, Christian, this has been a lot of fun. Before we wrap, let's do some So Money fill in the blanks. Also a throwback to my old So Money yeah, episodes. Yeah. Has been a while, so I'm a little maybe rusty on the questions. I think I'll remember them, but let's see. Okay, so first thing first, uh, fill in the blank. Don't overthink it. If I won the lottery tomorrow, first thing I would do is buy a studio space. And would this be an investment? A studio? You, oh, you mean for your filming, for, not... okay? Yes. Yes. So for my filming, a video studio. See, I think studio, I think like normal housing in New York City because oh. I lived in a studio <laughs> for 10 years. Uh, <laughs> this is suburb talk, Farney. You okay. know, you now know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. This is an extension of your main property. I, I see. <laughs> one thing I spend on, which a lot of us aren't spending money on right now, but one thing that you are spending on that makes your life better, easier, all of it. Is there something that you do? Curbside pickup groceries. Yeah. I don't do my grocery shopping. I ordered ordered online. You are Came. precautious. That's it. <laughs> Pay the premium. I don't care. Yeah. Okay. But so answer this. I was recently at Target and there were some people coming for curbside pickup at Target, but noticed a couple of people who were in their cars, rolled down the window, were not wearing masks. Mm. And the Target employees were wearing masks and bringing their stuff to their cars and having conversations. So it wasn't like they weren't, they were not six feet apart. They were like one foot apart. And I right. thought that's like defeating the whole purpose of curbside pickup. Yeah. A little yeah. bit safer, but still like, why I mean, aren't you wearing a mask? Right, right. It's, I, I get frustrated when people use their own logic as to when, when, yeah, that sounds weird, but when they use their own logic as to when it's okay and not okay to wear a mask, like the whole I just feel like you're wearing it. Yeah. Listen like, to the CDC. I, I get it. You're outside, but you're in your car and you're within like 12 inches of Yeah, you're a, breathing a in the target worker's face. I don't know. It just it just seemed like ironic to me that they weren't going into the store. I mean, whatever. So okay, I just I didn't know if that was like 
allow it? Like, does the science say you can do that? I don't think so. I, I don't. I don't think many people are listening to the science. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> uh, not oh well, but it is what it is. Uh, everybody vote. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. <clears throat> all right. When I donate, I like to give to blank because. When I donate, I like to give tangible objects as opposed to money because Mm -hmm. I know that they are going to be used for the right reason. Yeah. So what do you give? What are these tangible objects? Uh, Food. Like whether whether it's food. um, Clothing. Right. Exactly. Clothing, kids' toys. (laughs) Gear. Um, Yeah, that that part I have a hard time with. I I hoard gear. Yeah. There's a store in New York City. You know it well. B&H Photo. Oh, yeah. B&H Photo. That for you is like Disney World. Mm -hmm. For me, it's like the dentist's office. Like I don't, I just want to get out of there. Like It is intimidating. It is intimidating. (laughs) I will say you have to know how to navigate it. Oh my gosh. All right. Last but not least, I'm Christian Golic. I'm so money because I control my income. Yes. Which right now that's gold. That's golden. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you had fun. I promised this wouldn't hurt. And uh, we've been talking about, you know, getting together on the podcast for a while. And thank you to you for inspiring me with the YouTube stuff. I'm nearing a thousand subscribers. Bless them. I've done nothing for two months. I don't know somehow words getting around. For some reason, these people are subscribing when there's not much content to latch on to. But I feel like I'm getting my 14th wind. The fall is approaching. The weather's changing. You know, I'm I'm getting the I'm getting the the juices are flowing. So yeah. oh yeah. Hopefully more to report. And thanks for helping me with my prompter business because that's going to definitely make this easier and less intimidating. Everybody, check out Christian if you need any help with, as he said, you know, it could be something as straightforward as how to be more presentable on Zoom to actually starting your own, you know, video network, your own channel, what kind Mm -hmm. of gear to get, how to get set up. He's a wealth of information and you're so great to work with and you work great virtually. So he doesn't have to come into your space, but you you do great over the the interweb. Thanks for joining. It's been nice to hang out. Thank you so um, much. Best wishes and I will be in touch. All right. That sounds good. Thank you so much, Farnoosh. Really appreciate it. To learn more about Christian, head over to LinkedIn, Christian Golick, G-O-L-I-C-K. We've got all the links on somoneypodcast.com. He's also on Instagram. Check out his work at Christian Golick Films, Christian with a K. Good luck, everybody. Good luck with your videos on YouTube. If you'd like to subscribe to my YouTube channel, I am on YouTube at Farnoosh Tarabi. Promising more soon. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I hope your day is so money. Money.